Welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hall. Heavy lift cranes and transportation equipment are vital to the construction and maintenance of wind turbines. From hoisting colossal tower sections to delicately placing turbine blades to the hub, people who operate these massive machines are the unsung heroes in the wind turbine world. Our guest on this podcast is Brian Thomas, Vice President of Business Development for Barnhart. And Barnhart began as a small family-owned company in Memphis, Tennessee, but has since grown to be a major player in the heavy lift and transportation industries with operations across the United States. Uh, for over 20 years, Barnhart has provided major maintenance services for blades, gearboxes, generators, yaw bearings, basically anything that is really heavy. And Barnhart has also assembled wind turbines and worked directly with the OEMs to construct some of the early wind projects in the United States. Brian, welcome to the program. Alan, it is a treat to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So I'm not a crane expert, and so it's great to talk to someone who is, because it is true, the cranes, without the cranes, wind industry doesn't exist. And without that expertise, we would be nowhere. Uh, and you want to describe some of the early th things that Barnhart participated in in the United States in, in terms of wind turbine construction? Sure. I, I will tell you that our, our being a crane provider that really came out of the heavy industrial market where we were operating in refineries and power plants, nuclear plants. And then we get to a wind farm and they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to put up this turbine here. And then you're going to walk across this field and, and put one up on the, over there. And I'm like, excuse me, you know, walk across a field. And, and so uh, the early days uh, that where we stepped in was in the kind of the 1.5, 1.8 megawatt range. And, but they were still uh, erecting V47s, you know, the 640 kilowatt machine. And that was a typical construction crane, like an M2250, like a you know, 250, 300 ton crawler. And those would generally be more favorable to, uh, to walking across a field. But, uh, you know, it obviously turbines have grown, uh, it, you know, to amazing heights and sizes now and so you know just from a being a from a crane provider perspective that's been it's been very interesting to watch and it's probably the, it's the riskiest thing that happens on on a wind farm is walking a crane from pad to pad oh yeah and it, it is so complicated some of these projects especially early on uh they were not in the easiest of locations i, I don't even know how you've even accessed some of the early spots uh you know, West Texas and out your way and on the sort of on the East Coast, those are not easy places to put up wind turbines. They're, they're not. And, and we were probably skewed early. Our, our first project that we were really in, even introduced to was a project right in our backyard in, in uh, East Tennessee called Buffalo Mountain. Uh, it was in Venergy's first uh, foray into, into wind. And and so it was up on a mountainside, up on a ridge, ridge line where uh, we erected 15 of, of the Vestas V80s, actually had to build a special blade trailer to kind of go up the switchbacks uh, to even get the blades up to the top of the mountain. 20% grade, you know, grades getting up there. So with that kind of skewed our perspective as to what's typical in the wind industry early on. But but that that has really kind of birthed uh, an amazing, an um, amazing business segment for for Barnhart. You seem to be pretty busy in the wind sector. And what are some of the early things that you learned 
for doing those projects. And, and you work directly with some of the OEMs on those projects, too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we probably did 90% of the Vestas uh, TSIs, the turbine supplied install agreements in the early you know, 2000s. And, and, I, and I think what was really uh, interesting for us is there was a lot, you know, it was really dominated by uh, contractors, you know, who are very good at, at what they do. And you know, there's been some just, you know, the major players in the, in the industry are amazing. But it was really fun for us to, to come in as a really a crane provider. But not only that, you know, Barnhart has very much a reputation for innovation, for engineered tools, engineered solutions. And the, it was, we were very fortunate in the, and with that OEMs gave us the opportunity to innovate, you know, to create uh, special lifting uh, gear. Uh, you know, we, we came up with a method to lift a tower section by, you know, with one crane using a, a, the whip line, kind of, we call it the tri-block and a variety of other tools. So that we, we really saw a lot of opportunity uh, for, for innovation, uh, kind of for better thinking and that, that really kind of helped us be successful. Well, the OEMs must have seen something in you. And I know you, uh, Barnhardy has done a number of really complicated projects before Vestas knocked on your door. So they, they probably understood that you could do some really crazy things. Correct, correct. You know, we, we enter this uh, competition every year, the rigging job of the year with the SCNRA. It's the, kind of the, the fraternity of crane and transport people the Specialized Carriers and Riggers Association, and we've won this award uh, called the Rigging Job of the Year or the Hauling Job of the Year. It's, it's kind of fun when you get back on an airplane with a trophy and the flight attendant goes, what's that for? It's like, well, we won the Rigging Job of the Year. And they kind of go, huh, that's nice. Okay, take your seat. Um, but the uh, but we really have uh, an amazing fleet of engineers in Memphis and spread out, spread out around the country that all they do every day is is try to come up with engineered solutions that serve our clients' needs. And so the power industry has been, um, you know, has given us lots of opportunity uh, to exercise that and be successful, you know, be it a, a feed water uh, heat exchanger uh, replacement or a vessel installation or, you know, even within the nuclear space, there's all kinds of opportunities for special, special toys, as we would say, cool tools. Yeah, and in the United States, you know, we've kind of hung around the two megawatt region on wind turbine size onshore, but that seems to be changing more recently. You're starting to see fours and fives and sixes. Um, we've actually had the real privilege of being involved in a lot of the, the prototypes that have kind of come to market. And we were able to, uh, we were on the first S, uh, SGRE, um, the SG145, four and a half megawatt Siemens platform. Uh, up, did a project up in New York and then uh, turned around and we're, in, and we're actually helped out on the, uh, the first Inventus, Vestas, 5.6 megawatt platform that came to the U.S. And, uh, and then we were the prime uh, erector of the first Cypress, which is the, you know, the, the large GE 5.6, I guess now it's a six megawatt platform. So it, it has been, uh, you know, the turbine uh, hub heights are obviously getting higher and taller, not, not as crazy as Europe, but, but we're approaching that. And, um, but the complexity of the turbine is, uh, is one of the things that, you know, the OEMs have, have done an amazing job, you know, doubling, almost tripling the, the megawatt output. But 
you know, there's a lot more that goes into the installation. And, you know, I, I think I've, I've appreciated the OEM saying, can, can, we, can we call timeout, slow down, and let's camp right here and get really good at uh, improving this four and a half to, to six megawatt um, output range. And, and so I, I think that will be wise and helpful for everybody. Give us some behind the scenes here on how this works. So let's just pick an, an OEM for a minute. I'll just choose GE because they're close to us here. So GE has come up with some new wind turbine. Let's say it's a 20 megawatt or whatever it's going to be. And you know it's, it exceeds your current lifting capability or maybe the equipment required you'd have to sort of build and think about. How soon do they contact you in the design phase so that you can actually assemble the first turbines? Sometimes they do. <laughs> I will say that. But um, and, and, and I would hand it to the OEMs. They, they have some really smart guys within, within their organizations that know cranes. Obviously, they're renting crazy amounts of cranes these days for be it O&M uh, services, you know, major component replacements. Um, but, you know, and, and again, I, I just had the privilege of being at Liebherr last last week, and they will come and, and meet, meet with the crane manufacturers and, and have conversations about where they see the turbine platforms growing um, but I've also been really impressed. The OEMs have, have really done a good job of modularizing uh, the nacelles. And so it's not just one big lift. Um, you can have, you know, the powertrain, drivetrain, you know, can, can be a separate lift with the hub. And, and they're giving the, the, the erector, uh, the contractor, the ability to kind of really pick and choose an erection strategy and that's been very, very beneficial. And so that, that way you can, according to the, the crane assets that are available in the market uh, to the particular project, maybe on a ridge line or it may have a lot of crane breakdowns. And so a smaller crane with more picks um, may be more beneficial versus a, an area where you have very few crane breakdowns and you want to make, you know, you want to make hay and, and the big crane uh, is is the way to go uh, because you just don't have the cost of, of crane moves. Does the OEM then, when they're designing the turbines, also look at the maintenance aspect uh, in terms of lifts, like on gearbox replacement? Are they are they designing that into the assembly so when you get there, you can actually do those exchanges much more quickly than in the past? Yeah, correct. And, and I think that uh, there are obviously a lot of uh, non-crane uh, 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 technology that's coming to market as well that, you know, to be able to do, to do that replacement as well, especially as the turbine heights get taller. Um, we're on conversation today with, uh, with one of those uh, providers. And so that um, with uh, the fact that um, it's, it's an amazing stat, there are 45 900 ton hydraulics in the United States right now, 45 of them, and with another five coming. So 50 uh, of this, uh, you know, it's a, it's not the largest uh, all-terrain crane out there. It's a 1,200-ton model, but this 900-ton is, uh, you can move it very efficiently. You can assemble it um, pretty quickly, and, you know, we, we have a couple of them, and they're just a great machine that can really um, handle uh, 
um, that, you know, that, that below, a, you know, 110 meter hub height type uh, typical O&M uh, lifts. So it's, uh, yeah, so there's, there's still quite a bit of crane asset out, assets out there that are able to, uh, to do the major component replacements. How far out are you guys typically scheduled? I know one of the, the big um, concerns in the industry is I can't get a crane. I can't get a crane. They're locked up for six months. Is is that generally the case at the moment? You can find a crane, you know, and sometimes it is expensive uh, to mobilize. And that way the, the wind farm owner may decide going, okay, I, I can I can spend the extra money and bring the crane a greater distance, maybe several states, or I can uh, wait uh, and then I may, I may have a couple of other turbines that may need uh, work, and that way I can uh, really amortize that that large mobilization out over a handful of turbines. Um, you know, in terms of construction, uh, there's still a lot of assets uh, that are currently uh, in in the country, and more coming in daily. Um, so yeah, it's you know I've I've seen years you know lots of years where they're going oh gosh we're going to run out of cranes, I've just never actually seen it happen and uh, you know I've seen you know assets come from up from Mexico we we've, we've brought uh, some assets up from Mexico or assets come from Europe and uh, so that is. I just some in some way crane providers go. Oh, there's needs in the United States. Let's go see if we can have a have a piece of the pie. Yeah, and, and Barnhart has engineers on staff to handle some of the more complicated lifts and and handle the the unique situations. And I, I wanted to ask you about how many how many engineers do you have on staff at the moment? We we would say roughly about sixty five. Uh, a, a majority of those guys are in Memphis. We have a, an engineer sales service department, a project engineering group, um, and um, and then an R and D group. And those guys really just kind of developing tools. But you know, if if a, if a if a customer had a compromised rotor, compromised nacelle, a thermal event um, that where you're kind of going, okay, now the typical way of of, of safely lifting this. Uh, turbine or component is no longer available. Uh, we have a variety of ways that we can um, engineer uh, uh, a safe lift, and that's what we have a lot of tools, spreader bars, um, so that that can you know make even if we're not sure of where the CG is now because it's uh, it's it's off center, uh, we've got ways to compensate you know for that. So it's. It's one of the things that it's really nice. And then we have engineers kind of spread out throughout the branches. And that, that's a nice thing because you've got some, uh, some folks that are, that are close that can, uh, that can run, take a look at the turbine, and, and we can, you know, again, provide a, a customized, safe solution for the, for the owner. Well, I, I think that safety is such a key here because you're lifting such heb- heavy objects, and, and sometimes they are compromised. And I, recently on LinkedIn, I think, there's some video, and I don't know where that was from, but it wasn't in the United States, uh, of a lift of a compromised blade and it letting go. And guys are standing on the ground like way too close to that situation. Uh, you know, how much effort goes into those? The fact that they put wind turbines in windy places, you know, it's like, come on. You know, t- cranes don't like wind. And they don't like, you know, handling, you know, objects that have a big cell area like a rotor. Uh, and so that, there you go, that challenge number one is we're, uh, 
uh, you know, especially with the turbine heights getting tall, uh, you know, it really depends on, you know, the, the, the winds in your face or in your back. It's a whole lot safer than if it's coming at you from the side. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges when it comes to really performing things safely. And so that, I, I think we are a mature enough industry and, and you kind of look at the numbers that there, there's not a lot of cranes that have gone over. And when you do see the ones that have, um, you can kind of point back to, uh, they probably shouldn't have done that. And, and so I, we, we are, we know, uh, I, I think the industry is really, is pretty good about going, okay, this is the line. We don't cross that. Um, and so it's, it's, I, th I think that's why you, you see is, I mean, there's, Anyway, thousands of lifts, yes, thousands of lifts in the in safe lifts within the wind industry, and uh, and they're they're tough, challenging uh, lifts out there, and you know there's a lot of really really good crane providers and um, and maintenance contractors as well that 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 are that are doing it safe. And how much prep work has to happen before you come onto a construction site in terms of like even the geology? Uh, is is the ground firm enough to handle the crane, especially if it gets windy or, or you know a rainstorm's coming? What do we do? It is I assume that's all planned out weeks or months in advance. Uh, typically, it's weeks, um, but that that is one of the first things that, that obviously we we check is you know is there a geotech report and you know geology report of the crane pad? Can it withstand the the loads that we're going to put on it? And you know how how do you match? Uh, an efficient uh, matting scheme with what's currently on site, or do you need to come in and, ha and have civil work done? Uh, that's that is something that that is typically done, and then you then you're looking at you're obviously constantly watching weather and and wind data. Um, so that's um, that's very definitely goes into the planning, and, and then you're kind of going okay that combined with you know, the, how safe of, or how risky of a lift is it? You know, if you're pulling a generator and you're well within your chart, um, then yeah, that's, that's a much less complicated event than a compromised rotor, uh, where the, you know, the, the wind farm was installed, you know, 15 years ago and nobody's been on this actual crane pad with a heavy lift crane. And so those are two different extremes that you have to, you have, you have to pay attention to. Well, th that gets to my next question, because I, I wondered about that. On the repowering situation where you had an existing site and it's been there 10 plus years, and now they're repowering it, they're putting a slightly bigger generator in it, typically, but also the rotor diameter gets much bigger. Do you have to go back and, and kind of re-engineer and look to see we, we can still use that site or we got to upgrade the site to bring in a bigger crane to handle the rotor size? Yeah, you do. And, and I think that there is, well, and I think it depends, you know, it depends on did they pull the crane pads out, you know, after the, the construction of the wind farm a lot, and that happens a lot. Uh, and so you kind of have to rebuild that crane pad anyway. Uh, from an O&M's perspective, you know, sometimes they'll, they will have had big hydraulics that have come in, in, into, in there. Um, and then maybe you're looking at a larger, uh, uh, maybe a lattice boom crawler that is now going to be performing the the repower uh, scope. It seems to, it seems to be really complicated, but the the the, the pace and what you guys must be getting called at has to be increasing all of a sudden because of the IRA bill and all the 
the money on the repowering side alone and, and plus new construction that's happening, there, there seems to be a, a great deal of a great deal of, uh, of desire to get things done quickly because the tax incentives are there. How does that affect you and the operations you're doing in the wind industry? That is true. I, I, I will say, you know, Barnhart is a little bit of a niche contractor because we, we are not a full BOP provider. And, and, the, uh, and so that's so we're on a little bit of a niche market. Of we, we do think repowers in our sweet spot. Um, you know, the, the obviously compromised turbines, thermal events, things like that are, are very much in our sweet spot. But but we 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 will perform a handful of wind turbine construction projects, you know, greenfield uh, turbine erection. We're doing a repower right now uh, on the West Coast in California. You know, took down a, a, some vintage V47s and erecting some V150s. And I heard the V47s were operating unbelievable. So so if you want to buy one, they may still have a few for sale. Um I think they are kind of finding their way to a new home to to continue to generate electricity, um, but uh, but yeah, the the activity has been interesting in that uh, we are uh, hearing a lot about you know work that's you know in twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, and even uh, getting some. Um, you know, some projects that are even booked out that far and trying to get agreements, you know, by the end of this year that would involve, um, you know, know, contracts that would be executed in 27. So that gives you a little bit of of an, you know, it's a really interesting uh, dilemma that I think folks are in because it's, and then projects push. And so it's like, and speaking of project push, uh, what is happening with offshore and how are you getting involved in that? There seems to be a lot of port activity at the moment, a little bit in the water, but mostly onshore. We've had the privilege to kind of partner in JV with a company called Elevon, and they're they're deeply tied to maritime operations. Um, so it's it's more of a marine logistics plus the the hub operations is kind of what we're saying is is what we can provide. We, you know, we're a, we're a crane company that has over 600 cranes up to 1400 ton, even though that's not big enough. And, and a lot of, of a hydraulic platform trailer, we have, you know, six or 700 lines of hydraulic platform trailer. And those two particular tools are very key. And we've, we've uh, partnered uh, with some, some crane providers that have, you know, the really mega cranes, the, 2,500 ton, 3,000 ton crawlers and um, Buckner is kind of who we've kind of partnered with. So it's, but the offering I think we have is, um, again, it's, you know, the large offshore projects in Europe have been, you know, like up to a six megawatt, you know, six to eight, nine megawatt. And now all of a sudden here in the U.S., let's just start at 12. Let's just go big and uh, and then go to 15. Okay, well, let's, Let's not start, you know, let's not, you know, so that has been, uh, you know, we are handling, the U.S. market is going to be handling the largest offshore wind turbine components, you know, in, in our hemisphere, obviously, you know, and um, between Europe and the U.S. Um, but we we are looking to try to see, you know, we think our expertise is, how, you know, you've got really large turbine components, 
and very small plots of land and how do you most efficiently use that that plot of land in the uh, at the hub where you've got you know uh, components coming in you're staging them and then those components going out in a timely manner to the installation vessel um and so that you know we were uh, uh we were very fortunate. We were very close at Vineyard. It was hard because, you know, I think there's a lot of, I think the OEMs are looking at the market going, okay, can the, can the U.S. contractors handle this? And uh, we uh, resoundingly say, yes, give us a shot. Um, but I think it may be, it may take a while for, for that, that, uh, to, that tide to turn. I think that tide is, is, changing rapidly just because of the demand worldwide is that they, they can't outsource it to a Norwegian company or a Danish company to do those things. They have to do it locally in some, in some aspects and tax-wise there's reasons to do it. But I think you mentioned a really interesting piece about the way we're building ports and infrastructures that the the, the, the landing spots are barely larger than the, the, the turbines. There's not a lot of wiggle room in some of these ports. It's amazingly tight uh, the way they're designed, and that requires a lot of special engineering, doesn't it, to, to sort of plan out how to move product around and get it where it needs to go. It, it really does. And and if you think about, you know, you have options of going either storing horizontally or storing vertically. Um, you think, no big deal. Well, your your vertical storage, uh, all of a sudden you, you've got a, you know, a tower that is, you know, 350 ton, and it's pretty tall, and you don't want it, you know, uh, you want it stable and safe. And and so it's obviously vertical storage is much more efficient, but, um, you know, and, that, and when you have a lot of vertical towers, how do you efficiently get that over to where it can be loaded out? And, and there are some, there are tools out there and means and methods to actually transport those vertical, vertically, yeah, that's very, very doable. Well, it's pretty, pretty amazing when you kind of, especially when you look at it on a computer and you're going, oh, okay. And then you kind of see video of like, okay, it can be done. And then you kind of look where the CG is and, you know, it's, it's all, it's again, it's all engineered. And so you can, it can be performed safely. And that's where Barnhart comes in, right? It's that Barnhart has been doing creative lifts and safe lifts at the same time for a number of years. And, Particularly as these wind turbines do get to 20 megawatts, that's coming. And these blades are just going to get incredibly long. Uh, it takes a new skill set. I do think the industry is going to have to kind of turn the dial, um, go to a new whiteboard, uh, and go, okay, we need to come up with some better solutions. You know, you, you look at just the installation vessels that – um, the the limit of those, and you kind of look in the future and go, if everybody wants to, you know, be at the dance at the same time, somebody's not going to have a partner, and um, and so the, you know, can we, um, can we come up with some uh, better mouse traps? Uh, but it, you're looking at such tremendous investment. And so I, I think you're going to have to really see uh, owners, OEMs, and folks like myself going, "Hey, we're willing to go to think outside the box." Um, and we have some. We've we've been uh, engaging in conversations like that to go, 
you know, are there better ways uh, than just the standard, okay, we're just going to make it, we're just going to get a big ship and go, you know, and you, you look at the monopiles as well. Goodness gracious, just tremendous weights. And, you know, these the folks that are installing them are, uh, they're just, we have a tremendous amount of appreci- appreciation and admiration for, for those guys. Well, I think you come at a good time in the industry because we've seen some of those early installations have trouble. And and when you get to the United States, what's really new territory, you don't have any offshore history to speak of, it's going to be complicated. And it's time to rethink some of these approaches. And Barnhart is going to be key into that effort, I'm sure. We we have a lot of uh, amazing folks that have amazing ideas and uh, and you, you put them all in the same room and sometimes you lock the door, push them pizza underneath the, t- the door and uh, some amazing stuff comes out, but it, it is, there, there is great opportunity. And, uh, and so I, I think that there's a lot of folks like myself or, you know, that we will, you know, this is the beauty of, uh, of the free market in the U S that we, uh, we, we will, we will innovate. We will come up with solutions. And if there's opportunity to, to do that profitably, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride. Well, most of the OEMs and definitely operators in the United States know of Barnhart, but if they if they wanted to reach out to you, how do they do it? Yeah, yeah there's a couple of ways. You know, we have a website, barnhartcrane.com, and there's a, there's some uh, places where you can put your name and info in there. Um, or real easy, brian at barnhartcrane.com. You could reach me personally. So, Brian, thanks for being on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. And I've learned a lot about the crane industry, and the lifting industry. So I, I want to have you back on. When you get that first big offshore project, you got to come back on because that's, that's going to happen pretty soon. I would love that, Alan. That would be a treat. Thank you very much.